I feel like if I work too hard and I work well, I deserve to reward myself with certain things. So we go to where the current location is and uh, we look at it. It must be the most irresponsible thing I've ever done in my life. Mm -hmm. But I signed the lease on the first day. If you have believability and if you have a product that you understand to mm -hmm. sell, mm -hmm. you can always use other people's money. You don't need yours. Hey guys, it is night after Christmas. Not really. Um, it's been like a couple of days since, since, since Christmas. I think we're two days to the New Year's now. It's 29th. This is Financially Incorrect. My name is Barack. I hope your holiday is going great. Um, for those who are still working, it sucks to be you. But, you know, I don't know. Maybe get another job or something. I don't know. But for those guys who are on holiday, um, I hope that's going well. I hope you've had a great Christmas. I hope you get great gifts. I hope someone gave you money, you know, um, um, as a good Christmas gift because... That, that would work best for me. Today, we're wrapping up the year. Um, so I'm not going to say Happy New Year's, but I hope you have fantastic New Year plans. And I think we got the ultimate guest um, to conclude this year and to conclude this year in a festive, festive way. We have, um, I'll introduce him and see if you can, I guess, in the comments, guess his name before, before I say it. He is a businessman, he's an entrepreneur, and I've given him a, a new name today as a local man premium Gen Z cult hero, <laughs> <laughs> Antonio Witch, the owner of BND and Manhattan Bar. Yes. Welcome to Financially Incorrect. Thank you for having me. Thank yeah. you for having me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah. Um, I think, first of all, for everyone that's watching, um, happy holidays, uh, merry post-Christmas, is that a mm -hmm. thing? Mm -hmm. um, and an early happy new year, I think, for me. Thank yeah. you for having me. Yeah. When we are shooting this, um, um, B&D are contemplating a few plans for New Year's. Yeah. Um, but just, you know, be, be, be ready. You know, be yeah. financially ready and, <laughs> <laughs> and be socially ready. Yeah. Um, I think they're going to have some fun stuff for you guys um, in this week leading up to, to yeah. New Year's itself. Yeah. So we're looking at, uh, at least with the week leading on to New Year's, is just having like a festive sort of like mood with different DJs on different days, different drink offers uh, for you to come enjoy. I mean, we've had such a long year and uh, I think whatever you do, whether you're a businessman, whether you're employed, there's so many different situations you've handled. So December is the one time in the year you can really just have a seat back and just enjoy and just have, keep it merry with your friends and family. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, we've had a brief discussion before we have before we got into this, and there's a few things I want to get into right. just based off of that. Um, but first, let me ask you: Are you looking forward to any Christmas? Oh, oh are you? Yeah, I, I better mention this. Are you looking forward to any Christmas gifts this year? Do you think uh, you're getting any Christmas gifts? Yeah, hundred percent. I always throw like little hints with my Instagram stories and everything like that. So anyone that's special in my life, just keep a close eye to my story. So I'll always post like subtle things. I'll tell you what I like and everything like that. Yeah. But I never get those gifts that I want. So for me, it's just it's either the wrong people in my life or people <laughs> just don't really care. They just look at my stories and like, oh, we don't know what he wants. Yeah. You know. Um, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to what the special people in my life get me this year. Yeah. Um, some shoes or a, a new car would be nice. So and a new car, <laughs> a new, a new car, car, would be a nice. new car yeah, would be yeah, nice. Yeah, for sure, hundred percent. Oh gosh. Okay. So we, we, we'll follow up. Um, we'll get Chico to follow up with you, <laughs> and then we'll put it up on stories to see if Anthony's friends got him what he wanted, what he wanted for Christmas yeah. this year. Man. Okay. All right. So before we got into this discussion, right before we started this this podcast, right. um, Anthony and I and, and Collins 
and Justin and Shiko by extension were discussing, or Anthony was giving us his theory around what the most valuable um, thing he has right now is and why he would not invest in a relationship um, at this particular <laughs> point in time. And it has a financial implication. No, 100%. So, yeah, so, 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 so just, just, just give it to us again. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. I think the most important asset anyone has, yeah. right, is their time, right? And uh, for me, that's why I'll always be picky if you're five minutes late for a meeting because you're really eating into my resource, right? Yeah. Whether you're an hour, an hour, you, I don't even think you'll find me there. Yeah. So the most valuable asset you can ever have is time, right? Mm -hmm. Money, from where I sit, is you can make it, you can lose it, you could always make it back, mm -hmm. right? Um, when you look at other assets like real estate, you can hold it, disposing of it might become a bit difficult, but mm -hmm. it's a good asset to have. Mm -hmm. But the most important one for me is time. And to get back to your, I think, second question mm -hmm. about that connection with relationships mm -hmm. is how I look at relationships is that they're so engaging, they require a lot of your time, mm -hmm. energy, and effort, and also monetary resources, right? Mm -hmm. uh, let's say, for example, oh, you want to go on holiday and things like that. It yeah. requires money, right? Uh, but I have a very sturdy routine that I stick to every day which includes waking up at five, uh, hitting the gym by that time, I mean, uh, reading newspapers, getting into meetings, yada, yada, yada. So there's a, there's a very rigorous routine I follow. And the reason why I think I haven't prioritized, I think, relationships is because it really eats into that routine. But there's ways where you can rejig the routine and incorporate uh, these special people into your life. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm really trying to work on now because I'm not getting any younger. Right. And I think with the sort of like challenges I face on a day-to-day -day, monthly basis, you want to get home as well and be like, oh, you've had such a long day. Do you want tea? Do you want a massage? <laughs> Things like that. So that's 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 the... That's my thought process yeah, when yeah. it comes to that. Yeah. Yeah. Long and short of it. So, so money, so money is a factor there. Money is yeah. definitely a factor with yeah. anything, you know. And um, I think it comes back to some of the traumas. I'll give you a story about mm -hmm. uh, growing up. My, so you know, as as African kids growing up, mm -hmm. it gets to a point where you're dating, yes, but you're scared to tell your folks, "Oh, I'm seeing this and that person." Mm. I mean, how old are you? Is it teenage, uh, late teens? No, not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when you're giving, when you're giving this story, when, so at that when this story point, is happening, yeah. my first, I was around 23. Okay. But I still wasn't comfortable telling my folks, you listen, I'm dating this and that person. Okay. So when they did find out, so I'm Luo, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the person I was seeing was Kikuyu, right? Mm -hmm. And there's sort of like traditional stereotypes right. according to those two relationships, right. right? And I remember at that particular point, my dad was like, oh... Why don't you look for a nice Luo girl, whatever, you know? <laughs> they know how to take care of the home and everything. So at that point, I'm telling him, why not? That's where my heart is. Yeah. You know what his answer was? Mm -hmm. They love money. That was his answer. Yeah. They love money. But understanding that from his point of view and to this day and age, and I was having a conversation with uh, one of the people that advises me, and they're like, and I gave them the story. They're like, those are traumas that were brought up by... Uh, people of a certain age, mm -hmm. but also look at it from this point. It could, it could also be beneficial because when we say Kikuyus understand money, they know how to deal with money, they mm -hmm. know how to manage money, they know how to get money, mm -hmm. they know how to, um, like it's, let's say you're earning X amount, it doesn't shock her, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. They're sort of used to it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. People from that particular tribe have open conversation about Besha, right? Mm -hmm. 
My, my tribe, we are traditionally, what's the term? Uh, even growing up, for example, for me, right. the dream for my folks was become a lawyer, become a doctor, become a professor. Right. So we are academics, like by tradition. So right. I think looking at it in this day and age, I think it would be such a beautiful synergy, you know, mm -hmm. where you have a female or a partner that understands finances and money. So there's different ways where you can look at it positively. So, so I hear that. I, I have a question for you on that right. because um, when I, I'm 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 from Western, my 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 dad's Luya, my mom's Luo. Yeah. Um, so I guess I do identify with a little of that. that. <laughs> rooted, rooted. <laughs> but I have a question because I mean, so within the the Luo community, of course, we have the Jacoms, right? Yeah. We have the, yeah. the 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 flashy. So, for example, I <laughs> I used to give this story about my mom. Uh, my mom has two two phones and she got them like really early on, you know, when, when phones weren't even yeah. a thing. So when I'd call her <laughs> and she wouldn't pick up. So if I met her later in the night, I'd be like, mom, you know, I had to call you. I didn't pick up. You know, most people would be like, oh, did you try to call me on my, yeah. on my Safari Com line or my Zane line? Yeah. No, she'd be like, did you try to call me on my iPhone? Or <laughs> <laughs> and I would always be like, I don't why? know, like, you know, why? <laughs> I don't know the difference. Yeah. But my question is, based on what you're talking about in terms of the, the I guess, the possible tribal um, entrenchment mm. in ideologies, but there's the Jacom, you yes, know, there's yes, the yes, there's the yes, Luo yes. spendthrift who's, yes, you know, yeah. there are these memes and these videos that we see online of, of you know, a, a Luo, bo a Luo yeah, boyfriend yeah, yeah, walks in, yeah. like, this is where you're living. No, 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 you know, we need to yeah, move you. Yeah. yeah, what's the, I guess in your experience, what's the, 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 the you know, relation to that? I don't know, to be honest, because, so I feel, so I compare it to... Let me, let me move further away from the Kenyan market. Mm -hmm. I would compare it to Nigerians, right? Mm -hmm. Nigerians are the most the extravagant people. Mm -hmm. But it comes, so someone broke it down for me. They're like, listen, we are 200 million plus people mm -hmm. in this country. Mm -hmm. You have to find a way of standing out. That's why we are <laughs> proud. We are unapologetic, for example. And we will literally treat you like you are the world to us, for example. Mm -hmm. So even whenever I go out and I see how... Nigerians are partying, how they're having a good time. I sort of understand, mm -hmm. and I don't judge them as well. Mm -hmm. Bring it back to Luo's and our culture in terms of being spendthrift, being flamboyant. I think there's a dotted line to that as well. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of we are proud people, naturally. Mm -hmm. um, we are people that want to... So a lot of Luo's that I know would go above and beyond to study and everything like that. And we have a certain inbuilt worth ethic. So mm -hmm. I feel like if I work too hard and I work well, I deserve to reward myself with certain things. Mm -hmm. And that's how I can really bring it back. Because mm -hmm. uh, a good example is I would love to be one of those lures, to be honest. But mm -hmm. there's certain things that I feel I deserve and I talk myself out of it. You know, and mm. it comes back from a fear of X amount for this and that. Mm -hmm. I could use it to buy a piece of land somewhere, you know. And that's the comparison that society will always bring back to you. So ultimately, if you think you can work hard for a certain thing or your worth ethic allows you to buy a certain thing, mm. my advice would be go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. I mean, I see it. And by the way, as, as I said, my story about my mom, like she's the most humble person. And I like, I know that when she does it or when she says it, like it's not coming from a prideful. Yeah. Because it is an iPhone. Yeah, it's an iPhone. At the end of the day, it's an iPhone. iPhone or Samsung. Anyway, all right. Um, let's get into it. Um, yeah. Would you say that you grew up in a privileged background? And my second question to that would be why would you say that you grew up in a privileged background? 
So I'd, I'd say I, I had a mix of both. And mm. it's such a blessing, and I'm very grateful for it, uh, being able to understand how uh, being privileged is and also the other side of life. So mm-hmm. my, my dad used to work for uh, uh, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs right mm-hmm. here. And part of that role is you get posted to foreign countries. And part of that is international school, uh, driver and everything like that. So you're in class with people from different parts of the world. So it opens up your brain, opens up uh, your eyes to a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. And then fast forward, when you come back here, you're, you're back to the normal, so like Kenyan life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the difference between that and a lot of people is that I got to see a different country, got to grow up in a different country, and then I got back. I got to come back here. But mm-hmm. on coming back here, in a normal situation, is that you're back here for three years, four years, then you're posted again. So that's mm-hmm. a healthy cycle. So mm-hmm. that privileged life, you can still maintain it. Mm-hmm. Mine worked very differently because it took 15 plus years for him to get posted again. So mm-hmm. getting to a point where your salary is your government salary, and then you have an, a foreign allowance, which is significant. Mm-hmm. And then coming back here where your allowance is gone. Mm-hmm. First, you have to readjust your life. Mm-hmm. That's one. So we moved from international school driver and everything like that uh, to a house where he bought in Embakasi, Nyayo Estate, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's where I grew up predominantly. Right. But at that point, he was still financing a mortgage, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember one day he came to me, he's like... <sighs> With all your school fees, because we're four kids, all your school fees, uh, the mortgage, and with my limited salary, I can't sustain this life no more. Mm-hmm. And he told us, I'm going to have to, we're going to have to move mm-hmm. again <laughs> mm-hmm. and rent this house out so it can pay for itself. So we moved from Embakasi to Tena Estate. Anyone that knows Tena Estate, bro, it's it's quite different. Now, Estate... You know, you have your paved roads. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. it's a it's a community and everything mm-hmm. like that. Tena Estate is, you know, this you know when people talk about difference between apartments and flats. <laughs> Tena Estate, it's flats. It's a flat. It's not an apartment. But I'm also very yeah. grateful for that journey of my life because mm-hmm. uh, first time I, I went to Tena Estate. You know, coming from Egypt, then you go to Tena Estate. You still have that Barbie sort of element, right? You know, right. So going to Tena Estate was whew, something else. Mm-hmm. First week I was there. I mean, I'm just walking, nice shirt, nice jeans and everything. I meet, you know, when you see memes of people walking in a certain way, mm-hmm. you have to be alert. So right. I didn't know that. So at that particular point, uh, they jacked my shirt. What you, they took my shirt. <laughs> so I was, with a friend they, of mine, yeah. I was with a friend of mine who grew up there. Yeah. They took my shirt, yeah. ran away with my shirt. My friend also ran away because it was like four or five guys. Something like that. So I was like, okay, come. But that was now my new no, reality. No, sorry. What do you mean by they took your shirt? They me. Like, no, like, so the, the guy came and he was like, remove, remove your shirt. shirt. So it's always, hey. you, you can either cooperate or decide, okay, listen, right, we're right, going right. to go toe-to-toe. Right, right. At that point, I didn't have the skills to go toe-to-toe. So yeah. I was like, okay, fine. So you just so took go off your shirt. It. So right. that became my new reality. So there were skills that I developed there, being aware, uh, understanding the streets and everything like that. So at that point, I, I joined... Aquinas High School. Mm-hmm. Aquinas High School is on Jogoro mm-hmm. National School now yeah. and everything like that. But I remember even when I joined that school, you know, when you get that letter, acceptance letter, it's like Aquinas High School. I'm like, no, it said St. Thomas Aquinas High School. Mm-hmm. So in my head, I'm like, oh, this is suburbs, everything. Mm-hmm. So we're going to, we're, we're driving. So I don't know where it is. Then mm-hmm. I see my dad like turn in Jogoro. I'm like, bro, what are we going to see? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, the school is here. Yeah. So I enter the school, I mean, 
that was a whole other thing learning and being there i mean you're you're there with um i think normal people from different families that mm -hmm. have literally grown up in kenya and understood the struggle of life and everything mm -hmm. like that so that was quite eye-opening mm -hmm. uh, it really built me to a certain extent there's certain things i see in the street now even when people try to be smart with me and everything i'm like bro i wish you knew you know mm -hmm. um so i went through that uh passed really well uh got to uni went to nairobi university i studied economics and statistics mm -hmm. uh very gratefully i think my mom at this point left us Mm -hmm. went to the US mm -hmm. uh, to support the family because okay. things were tight. So mm -hmm. from that lifestyle to this, now things are really tight. So the only way they could think about in the conversation they were having with my dad is, I'm going to go to the US, I'm going to support the family. So yeah. uh, they managed to take me to a uni, but still to uni, they paid school fees. I used to get my allowance and everything, but it still wasn't enough. Yeah. So I had to develop other ways of making money. So what did I do? I used to go to Gikomba, right? Mm -hmm. And I'd get, you know, there's there's an article in the newspaper that says from odd jobs to bar owner. Right, I mean, right. I was like, okay, it's an odd job, but it's different, right? Right. So I used to go there, get like cool leather jackets, wear them to class. And in class, one or two people, at least in a week, someone would get two of them off of me. Mm -hmm. And I was able to sustain a certain life, right? Mm -hmm. uh, at least on a weekend, I'd be able to go out. And that's now when I started really getting into nightlife, mm -hmm. like understanding bars, understanding restaurants and things like that. So post-uni, um, I really didn't know what to do. And at some point, the, f the first job I could get was with some guy that knew my dad. No. I started, I was an intern at Kenya Mission to the United Nations. Through okay. a connect, for sure. Right. So right. I was an intern. Right. So we, we started off as like six intern. And for me, I used to go for meetings at the United Nations. Now, looking back, I understand how much of a privilege that is. But at that point, it just seemed like oh, I'm here for oh, an to internship. have an internship yeah. at, at the US. It was a six-month yeah. internship. And my allowance then was 4,000 shillings. From, from, your, from your family? or No, from the from mission. The mission. Right. Right. This was right. my allowance, 4,000 shillings. And the beauty about that is that you'd get trips here and there, like a mm -hmm. four-day trip to Samburu or something. Mm -hmm. You'd get like extra allowances. But within that 4,000 shillings, I would wait at the end of the month. Bro, I was planning for the 4,000 shillings. Mm -hmm. I was like, 1,000 is bus fare. 1,500 I will save. Mm -hmm. 1,500 was I don't know for what. Mm -hmm. Everyone else that we're intern interning with, yeah. that 4,000 they'd get, where are we going tonight? They would blow it in one night, mm -hmm. you know? So I think understanding finance and just trying to be financially responsible mm -hmm. started even with that minimum amount which I was earning, which was 4,000 bob. Mm -hmm. um, so I did that, finished, and then I met this lady who was, uh, we started seeing each other. Mm -hmm. And through that, she was like, there's this opportunity at Chase Bank, they're hiring, why not try? Mm -hmm. So I joined Chase Bank. Was this when uh, when Chase Bank was was Chase Bank? When Chase Bank was Chase Bank. You know Bank. that time yeah. they say Chase Bank used to hire um, very pretty, oh, it was, it was, very pretty, it was very pretty ladies. And I, got I many. You, it was one of the, I wouldn't say motivating factors, but I mean, <laughs> going, I mean going, going for an interview there, Yeah, it's like going for any other interview. But the fact that I'd walk in and it was like, beautiful people walking. Do you know what? You. I, I genuinely would like to know if it was an intentional marketing strategy because I know a lot of male entrepreneurs who opened accounts <laughs> at, at Chase Bank and had relationship managers. Uh, very attractive. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, I, yeah. I don't know if there was a strategy, but I know it worked. That's the one thing. I, yeah. I knew yeah. it worked. 
Um, so I, I got a job as a customer service agent, mm -hmm. uh, handling cards, customer queries, and all these things. So I did that for a while. How much were they paying you at Chase Bank? Ah, <sighs> uh, this was a bump up. From yeah. 4,000 bump up, my net salary then was like 32,000, something mm -hmm. there about. Mm -hmm. So I was balling, kidogo, you yeah. know? <laughs> so I was balling. I could afford to come with my car. No, mm. not my car. Let me not lie. Yeah. <laughs> my dad's car on weekends. Yeah. Like a Friday, Saturday, I could mm -hmm. afford to drive, mm -hmm. put my foot and everything like right. that. I was sour. Um, through that salary, at least working in a bank, you're, you, you're able to access financing mm -hmm. at very minimal interest rates. So mm -hmm. that's one of the perks of working in the bank. So post that, I, there's a, a position they're offering in Treasury. I applied for it, then I took it. So I moved from customer service to Treasury. Mm -hmm. uh, at that point, I was still like, we're reviewing the new salary policy. So mm -hmm. nothing changed, right? Mm -hmm. But Treasury was so eye-open because you, see, you get to trade every day. Someone calls you, what's the rate? You negotiate. And so it built a lot of the skills that I have today. Uh, but I didn't do that for a very long time. I think it was less than six months. Mm -hmm. uh, and then that's when one of the people I used to work with, they're like, there's this company that's looking for a brand ambassador. I think you're a good fit. I mean, you like going out. You're very social in the mm -hmm. bank and everything. You know how to talk to people. Why not apply? Mm -hmm. So I applied for the job, uh, went to the most strenuous interview process in my life, mm -hmm. and I got the job. Uh, so this was Jameson Brand Ambassador for East Africa. Mm -hmm. So that's where now the so this my when you say strenuous interview process, what does it entail? Like, like what did they take you through? Five interviews. Mm -hmm. So I think the first one you had to there's just the application process. Mm -hmm. There was a video you needed to do. There was the first uh, uh, level of interviews where you meet I think HR. Mm -hmm. Then the next one you meet the brand owners, and mm -hmm. the last one, when they narrowed it down to five people, mm -hmm. it's now the entire executive marketing committee for the company. Mm -hmm. So it was a lot of people, and they were like, okay, uh, there's, there's always the no. So we were all, the five of us, mm -hmm. seated in a room, and then there's like the board where we're supposed to present. So they gave us, how I got the job is, so I was exceptional throughout the whole process, but everyone in that room was exceptional. Mm -hmm. So they said, who wants to go first and... Um, Tell us why you why you deserve the job. Mm -hmm. I told them I'll go last because I wanted to understand what all these everyone's <laughs> strength is. Right. There was a guy that woke up. He was like, I mean, the, those exposed guys, guys that went to good schools and everything. So mm -hmm. everyone had their own strength. So I realized, man, if I go with that CV thing, it's not gonna work, man. Because mm -hmm. they're, they're smarter guys. The guys have gone to better schools. They're guys that speak better English. Mm -hmm. So I picked on every single gap that everyone had. And then I compiled my presentation. Mm -hmm. So I stood up. I was like, listen, um, I've worked in a corporate setting. Mm -hmm. I'm well-educated. Same as everyone in this room. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to beating the bare minimum of what you're looking for, we've all met it. Mm -hmm. What's going to set me apart? So I gave the story of my dad working for foreign service. So he mm -hmm. was an ambassador representing mm -hmm. a country. Mm -hmm. Not an ambassador, but working in a mission right. where you're, you represent the country, right. right? So I told him, growing up, number one, I always wanted to represent either my country or a brand, mm -hmm. right? So Jameson would be a good fit. Mm -hmm. So I started talking about, you have to walk like the brand, talk like the brand, mm -hmm. sell the brand, own the brand, mm -hmm. things like that, and they were sold. And for me, I have this skill where I can leave a meeting now, I know, I got the deal or not. Mm. That particular one, mm. I knew I got the job. Mm. It was just formality. I right. knew I got the job. So call me later, got the job, 
uh, we agree on a salary, whatever, whatever. At this point, there's a salary. They tell me, you're going to fly. We're going to fly you to Ireland and everything like that. You're going to get training. So I lived mm. in Ireland for a while. That was also another culture shock. Mm. I was living in a hotel the whole time I was there. How, how long were you there for? Like two months. Mm. Yeah, and I was in and out of Ireland. So you yeah. go interact with people from different countries and stuff like that. And I did that job for two years. Uh, so earning the salary. Oh, here's where now things started changing. Right. So there's a new salary. Mm-hmm. There's a car benefit where they've given me a car, so I'm mm-hmm. rolling in town and everything mm-hmm. like that. Um, there's an allowance for nightlife, right? So a nightlife allowance. Yeah, you could go out and everything. How much? Like how that. much is a nightlife allowance? Around how so much? So here's the thing. I yeah. think they played me. Yeah. So the previous guys <laughs> used to have a credit card. Me, my limit was like 50 racks or something like that. Per month. Per month. Oh, right. Okay. I mean, it's so it's about card 12. Versus, yeah. 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 About 12, 12, 5, 13 yeah. You could per, go out per, and be like, I'm the guy. Yeah. Everything like that. So, yeah. But what the role also taught me was discipline, responsibility as well, but discipline at the core of it. Because one of the core things we learn at Jameson is like, okay, you're going to be out. Hmm. The product basically moves in nightclubs, wines and spirits, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. So for you to push it, you have to be in these spots a lot. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that they taught us was you don't have to drink every day. Mm-hmm. Half of the time, people ask me, how are you able to be at your spot in, at night and tomorrow you're up at five? I told them, listen, some of the times, sometimes I will drink. Sometimes you come to me and my glass, it's apple juice. Mm-hmm. And that's the honest truth. You have to have hacks, mm-hmm. you know? Because if I'm like the guy that I'm intoxicated every day, you can't, you know? You really can't. Yeah. So you really, that was one of the things they really taught us, discipline. And also just being able to say no to yourself yeah. and to people that offer you certain beverages. Because you got to know, what am I doing tomorrow? You, yeah. They expect delivery at the end of the day. You're out, yes. We expect you to deliver parts of the role. At, at this time, when you're mm. when you're doing the Jameson role, ambassador role, are you are you have you moved out of home? Are you living on your own? Mm. Are they paying you enough to be able to get that done? Uh, I move out, so yeah. I move from. No, at this point things were looking up, so we moved from Tena yeah. to a house that my dad owned in Donholm, somewhere in Donholm, okay. Greenfields. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, ah, you know, now we have a car. My our office was in Riverside. So I'm right. like driving from Doni, Greenfields to Riverside. It's far. So me and my boy who used to live in Buru, he, he starts working at Nation Media. Mm-hmm. So we agree. We're like, we're going to get a two-bedroom house in Kile. Mm-hmm. So we co-share a house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was amazing. So we decide, here's the partnership agreement. Mm-hmm. I furnish the... No, he furnishes the living room. I furnish the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And then we furnish our individual rooms. Okay. So we lived together for like two years. So yes, I moved out. Now things are looking up. I move out and everything like that. Um, I do the Jameson role for two years, still living in Kile for two years. Then I started becoming uncomfortable in the job. Okay. After two years, it's like, okay, what next? What am I going to do? Was there an increment after the first year? Very slight. Increment, yeah. Like 10% or seven, something like that. Nothing yeah. significant. Right? Okay. Um, and then I become uncomfortable. But the uncomfort does not come from money it comes from leadership they change a lot of structures and everything like that and i just feel i didn't feel comfortable anymore mm-hmm. uh so one of the people that hired me moved to another company carlsberg and once they mm-hmm. moved to carlsberg they were looking for people so i joined carlsberg from one, their brand building team okay so we were responsible for growing there's a beer called tuborg yeah so tuborg was supposed to come and rival tasca in the market which mm. it did to an extent you go to a lot of bars it's like tasca tuborg almost at par right in terms of sales um so i did that for oof at that point increase in salary yeah so where are you now are you the 200 range 300 range where where are you playing at now 
point on the two something. Two something, okay. Yeah, I think net, something like that. Okay. So I'm, okay, but certain benefits are taken off, right? Mm-hmm. So my drinking allowance, kidogo, because now you're moving from spirits to beers, right? Okay. And then my car, they take it because I left. This. <laughs> now, this other company, because they're still setting up structures. Yeah. It's a new company and yeah. everything like that. So they tell us, you know, our budget for cars is what it's. So at Jameson, I used to drive an X-Trail. Mm-hmm. And then at this point, they moved me to a wing road. Mm-hmm. A Nissan, a wing, Nissan road. wing road, right. But my take home is better. So I'm not thinking about the benefit. I'm like, at the end of the day, I have a car. Yeah. I can move. Yeah. It's a function. It's a tool of the trade. Yeah. I'm working, right? So I'm like, it's fine. I'll do it, right? So I do that role for two years. And I'm, we used to laugh so much with me and my colleagues. Uh, it was me and two other guys that were in charge of now building two but ground up. And we all had wing roads. There's this one guy that was able to tell them, listen, this amount of money that you pay this supplier for a wing road, can I get another car? So this guy gets like an, a premium or something mm-hmm. souped up really mm-hmm. nice. I'm like, shit. You know? <laughs> so at that point, it works, but it opens my eyes that you can really renegotiate this thing. Sorry, another yeah. question. So what, what exactly is your job at that point? Is, are you still going, are you still like at the popular places mm-hmm. trying to push the product, trying to get people to buy the product? Yeah. Yeah. So at this point, I'm like an account manager slash brand. Uh, Ambassador. Yeah, so mm-hmm. let's say that. Mm-hmm. So my role is I had a, a universe of X amount of bars, let's say 100 bars. My, my job was to grow the two bog numbers in all these bars mm-hmm. to rival Tasker. Okay. That was the whole thing. And also I was in charge of third space events. So there was partnerships with Koroga Festival, Blankets and Wine at some point and things like that. So mm-hmm. that was my main role there. Okay. And another question on that, how do you actually get that done? So let's say you know, we're in a, mm. this, this right here is a club yeah. setting, right? Yeah. And we're all drinking Tuskers. How do you come in and it's, begin to, yeah. to, get, to get me to th- even think about, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. maybe the next time I want to buy a drink. I'll, I'll, it starts I'll with a book. lot of things, right? Yeah. So there has to be a connect. I think at the core of it, the people that are in bars every day are the staff. Mm-hmm. So it starts with staff training, um, staff incentives, making sure they're on your side in terms of if a customer asks for Because customer, you go, they won't specify then the waiter or whatever at that point knows if I sell a two book, I'm getting 20 book back as an example, mm-hmm. right? They're highly likely to uh, uh, propose the your commit, drink. Right. So that was one, right? The small things like visibility, you walk into a bar, you'll see a light saying two book, it plays with the psychology, mm-hmm. right? There's the price that you get on the table, the little tent card right. thing, right? right? That plays with the psychology as well. So there's all these things. And even me being in a bar, for example, I'd, I'd see like a group, because I had my allowance, and this right. allowance was also functional um, as a tool of trade, right? Mm-hmm. So I'd be there, I'd see guys drinking, or guys just walking, I'd be like, give those guys like a row of two books. Mm. They start with two books, they love it. Then they, that's will be their drink for the whole night. Right. And then there's also things like weekend activations. Mm-hmm. We align, I'm going to pay for your DJ as the club, whatever, run two books and everything. So that's, those were... Predominantly, the strategies we use, at right. least right. in the bar, right. you know? Yeah, so those are strategies. So that I did that for two years. Okay. Yeah. All right. And at this point in time, what are you doing with the money that you're making? Because it seems like Bro. all the partying that you're doing, you're being given money to party technically. So other than paying the rent, furnishing the apartment, um, my paying money fuel. Ha- my money yeah. habits were bad. Uh-huh. It actually took me back to something. So mm-hmm. one thing happened. You remember when we were living together? Yeah. And the kitchen stuff were mine. Mm-hmm. The living room stuff was mine. His. Yeah. yeah. Coming to think of it, I was not saving. It was basically pension. I was not saving. My saving right. habits were bad. So one day, uh, my husband comes to me. He's like, I gave notice. 
with the landlord. We're supposed to move out in uh, in about a, a month or something like that, bro. When he said that, he had Jipangad. He already bought his kitchen stuff. Because, you know, kitchen was mine. So he already bought his kitchen stuff, identified a new house, everything. He knew where he was going to go, right? Me, I'm on ropes. <laughs> Literally, I'm on ropes. So I'm trying to think. Okay, so I'm still, I'm still earning a good salary right. at that point at Jameson. But when someone tells you to, for you to move into another house, you need to give me, is it two months rent, one month deposit? Yeah, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. I didn't have it. Because at this point, I'm still, I'm living in Kile, right? Yeah. But I'm sharing, right? So for me to get either one bedroom or two bedroom by myself, it's quite a substantial amount of money, yeah. which I did not have. Yeah. So what do I do? I tell my old man, listen, this is a guy, he's moving and everything like that. My dad tells me, even when you moved out initially, I did not tell you to move out. Mm-hmm. That's the honest truth. So you're welcome here. So I moved back to the crib for a month. And I, no, I told him a maximum three months. I went back, uh, most humbling experience I've ever had in my life, first yeah. of all. Why was it humbling? Because I mean, because you still had, you still had no. a job, you still had yeah, money, because, you still had income. But I was, in that point, quote unquote, I was my own man. I moved mm. to Kile, I'm living and everything like that. And then to move back to your folks' house, humbling, right? Salary and everything is still Did you there. tell your friends? Yeah. yeah. No, they knew. They knew. I never hide stuff. Okay. And that's the whole thing about it. I never hide stuff. So they knew. So I moved back and remember three months. I was like, three yeah. months. I moved out in a month. Mm. I was able to gather stuff, paid a deposit. So this is from Kile. I went to South B, dope-ass apartment mm. online. Dope-ass apartment. Like, I think best apartment I've ever lived in, to mm. be honest. Really modern, really nice. Elevator and everything like that. But it was a lot. For South B, it was a lot of money. But it was nice. So at this point, I'm still working at Carlsberg. So things are looking up. And I, like, now I'm like, saving has to be factored in. Yeah. Like, things can hit the fan. So at this point, I buy living room stuff. Kitchen stuff was still mine and everything like that. And there's one day I'm just like, because our office at this point was in Kilimani. Mm-hmm. I'm driving from South B to Kilimani. I'm like, bro, this is far. And South B was paying a lot. Like the amount of rent I was paying there, I could get a house in Kilimani, Kilimani. or So one day I'm just driving. I drive to this apartment. I ask this guy, how much is a house here? Within my budget. Mm-hmm. And I tell him, okay, I'll move in. So that's how I move back now to my own house. I'm not mm-hmm. sharing. Mm-hmm. I'm not splitting anything. I own the house. It's a little cute place, but I'm paying for it, right? At this point, I'm still saving and everything like that. Uh, still working for Carlsberg. Then EABL comes knocking. They're like, we're looking to set up a luxury team in terms of pushing their luxury spirits portfolio. Mm-hmm. We think you're one of the guys that could really do us justice. And I signed the contract. A question. Mm. These are three different brands that you yeah. worked for, right? Yeah. Um, one question is is on authenticity. Mm. On how do you, how do I see you in yeah. a, in a, in a Jameson um, cap? Then I yeah. see you in a Carlsberg cap. Yeah. Now I'm gonna see you in an EABL cap. Yeah. How do you keep that authenticity with whomever it is that you're talking to? Do you ever actually truly believe mm. in the product that you're that you represented during that time? I do 100%. I think that the core of it is that all these brands have different target markets. So, for mm-hmm. example, Jameson at that point was a lot of the younger clientele. I was young as well. And it was easier to sell it. And I really bought into that brand at that yeah. time. Yeah. Tubog was exciting. It was a new brand and everything like that. It was a be a different category. Yeah. Right? EABL, I was moving to a whole other category. It's the high-end people, right? So I also needed to learn, be trained and everything like that. And they really had to set me up to be comfortable interacting with your high net worth individual, if I can call them that. Because 
from dress code, I had to wear blazers every day. But that was, it wasn't the company, like, uh, directive. Mm -hmm. It's just, you're in a meeting at Mudaga Country Club. It's just how you show up. You're in a meeting at Current Club. You're in a meeting at Capital Club. You're in a meeting, and you're meeting the director at 1824, mm -hmm. as an example. Mm -hmm. So you're meeting really high network people. And uh, at that point, you really had to show up the mm -hmm. right way. They've mm -hmm. set you up. You're earning X amount. Oof, at that point, oof, they really set me up with a car. They gave me a double cabin. Mm -hmm. like a new Ford. It's like literally I had to go. And these are some of the privileges I had to go through in life. Mm -hmm. But at that moment, I never appreciated it. They just mm -hmm. never seemed like things that moved me. But now looking back, like these guys told me, go to CMA on Mombasa Road, mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. CMA or something. One mm -hmm. of these car CMC. people. CMC. CMC. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Pick a brand new Ford Ranger. Right. I picked it. You know, like even now looking back, I'm just like, shit. You know? But I had to go it but in the moment just because i look at it like a tool of trade mm -hmm. so it never gets into my head i know if i leave this job today i don't gone. have it yeah so even to bring that to perspective all those years i never really owned a car yeah cars always came as an employment benefit right right so i had the ford ranger uh, at that point i have a credit card so i can go out and everything like right. that i'm hosting people so it was good um so i did that for two years mm -hmm. So, uh, but job description is pretty much the same thing. Trying to push yeah. um, uh, just, just a more prestigious yeah. brand to a more prestigious market. Exactly. Well, at this point, right. I have a better role. It's a senior, uh, senior manager role. Okay. Um, I'm in charge of a lot. I'm in charge of two distributors. I'm in charge of a universe of luxury accounts, like 100 bars. Mm -hmm. I control a certain budget. I could go to a bar and tell them, listen, I'm going to give you a year contract. Mm -hmm. This is how the contract looks like. This is incentive. This is... I'll pay for your DJ. It was significant, right? Right. right. Coming to think, in the moment in my head, it was just a job, you know? Mm. But coming to think of it now, I was in charge of a lot, you know, okay. the distributors. I was in charge of bars, their budgets, and everything like that, which was, looking back, seems like it's a lot. Yeah. Um, but throughout this entire journey, there was something that was happening subconsciously mm -hmm. through my travels, uh, through my interaction with different bars, the things that I was picking up knowingly or not knowingly, right? Things like uh, access to sales from bars, aesthetics in bars, how mm -hmm. to relate with customers, mm -hmm. um, just bars that have different looks and feels and things mm -hmm. like that. And I remember I'd get to different places, I'd take pictures. I had a folder on my phone mm -hmm. that was called Bars and Restaurants. So it's mm -hmm. just different pictures that inspired me throughout the whole period that mm -hmm. I worked for all these alcohol companies. And towards the my, my final days at EABL, um, oh, I set up, an, we were in an investment group. Okay. Like a chama, right. a male chama. Right. And our contribution per month was, we were six guys. Mm -hmm. Our contribution per month, we were contributing like 15 Gs mm -hmm. each. Mm -hmm. We were six guys. So it was significant. So guys are contributing, right. contributing. So when I... When Where was it? Who was keeping the money? Who was the custodian? We set up a bank. Okay. Set up a bank. Three Joint signatories. Account. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These signatories and everyone was just contributing would have like once a quarter meeting to try to see okay what are, what do we want to do with this money and with most i don't know whether it's most chamas we didn't know what to do right so i come up to them i'm like listen i've always wanted to set up a bar why don't we use this money to set up the bar then at that point i got this little nice cute spot in hurlingham mm -hmm. and my my plan was to set up a nice cute cocktail bar i'll be going to abl during the day i come in the evening mm -hmm. and I piga hisabus, you know, piga hisabus yeah. with my barman, I go sleep. <laughs> right, right. That was the dream. Because mm -hmm. at that point, 
I'm so comfortable with the salon, I'm getting the car, I'm getting right, the benefits, car. everything, yeah. There's no one in their right mind would ever leave, you know? But I start getting uncomfortable. I, no, it's not I'm getting uncomfortable. It's like I wanted extra money. Mm. Right? So I have Was there was my there job. a need for extra money? Did you feel like you needed more money? I think at that point I wanted to either buy a house or just extra money, you know? I, did, I just wanted, like, I don't know why I wanted extra just money millenni- for. Just millen- yeah. millennial things. I think I wanted to travel yeah. and things like that. Yeah. I needed, like, just save more and stuff like that. Yeah. So that's the need for extra money, okay. you know? Mm, so what happened? So you so you talk about, um, with, with your sex friends, um, who you invested yes. in, you talk about the getting the bar. Yeah. yeah. So when I got this initial location, I go, first of all, I go to my chama guys. I sit them down on our quarterly AGM. Mm-hmm. Is it AGM? Quarterly board meeting, let right, me call it that. Right, right. I said, some guy comes up with a proposal, we start a Kinyozi, or like, who understands the Kinyozi business? No one. So I tell them, listen, I understand bars, and I want to set up a bar. I think it would be successful and everything like that. And um, they could have bought into it, but as human beings, I think we're always scared. Mm-hmm. Even in investing, it's a scary thing. I'm going to put X amount in this. I don't know what's going to happen. So... Ultimately, I think they were scared, but they didn't want to tell me we're scared, right? How much was it going to cost? Was it going to take everything that you guys had put together? A lot, a huge chunk. I'd like at that point, chunk. you estimate, yeah, how much is it going to cost at that time? Do at you that think? point, how much do we have in terms of savings? I know it was over like 2.5. Okay. Over. So the proposal was I use all that money, I build this bar. And, and then, then <laughs> yeah. These guys were like billers. <laughs> because at that point, you know, because you, every month, 15, 15, 15, it's a yeah. sacrifice yeah. as well. Yeah. So they're like, I, because they don't understand the business as well. So they're yeah. like, Mm-mm. So we have, uh, that group had, was very diverse, people from different religions and everything like mm-hmm. that. So they used the religion angle that we can't right. invest in that, right. which I fully right. understood. Right. So now I'm caught back. I'm like, what to do, right? This little cute bar, that I, I wanted to set up first. The location rent is like 80,000 or something. Mm-hmm. As by, by myself, I could, I could sustain it. But you know, you also need someone that you can do things together, mm-hmm. right? So I go to one of my very close friends and I tell her, listen, I have a plan of opening a bar, whatever. We go to the location like twice. It's like, it's small and everything like that. And she tells me she's in this group of like entrepreneurs in Nairobi. She's like, there's different locations they share. So we go to where the current location is and uh, we look at it. It must be the most irresponsible thing I've ever done in my life. Mm-hmm. But I signed the lease on the first day. Like we just went there and looked at the location. And, and I remember she was telling me, just sign it. You got this. And I'm just like, How m- <laughs> do I really got this? <laughs> Wait, so you're talking about where BND is today? Now. The, so the, the initial one that's yeah, at... Um, Kilelesho. Yeah. So sign the lease, right? I don't want to tell you what the rent is, but it was significantly <laughs> higher than what I was planning Initial, to, right? Right. right. Um, so at that point, another thing is that once you sign the lease, listen, bro, there is no looking back. Mm-hmm. I had... Did, did you have... Set, yeah, I mean, did you have those, what, two-month deposits? Yeah, that one I had. Okay. So you remember at this point, I'm, I have a saving culture. Yeah, I'm yeah, putting yeah. money on the side and yeah. everything for rainy day. Um, so at this point, I signed the lease, and then I realized, bro, there's no looking back. There's no turning back. Now we really got to push this thing. So Did you have the plan together? I had, I understood what, what, I understood the gap that the market had and what product the market needed and the simplicity which it needed it to be executed um, with everything coming together. Because I could see 
with my travels, I could mm-hmm. see how someone would use so little resource mm-hmm. in setting up a product, but making the maximum out of it. Okay. You know, so I understood that bit, right? Did maybe I know if, any? Yeah, maybe we could, if, if we could if we'd go into that a little bit. Mm-hmm. What is it that you felt was in excess? You know, a plethora of in terms of the nightlife mm-hmm. in, in Nairobi at the time, and what's the gap that you were then coming to? There was a gap between, especially in Kilimanjaro, because I was in charge of this Hurlingham Kilimanjaro. Right in my employment, right? right? This was the area that I was in charge of all through. So I understood there was the high-end bars where you needed to dress well, whatever, they have a dress code and everything. And then there was your locals, locals right? But there was no bar that played here in the middle in terms of your high-end guy feels comfortable, but even the guy that goes to your local also feels like they want to be slightly aspirational. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll take my kabib somewhere. There was no middle point mm-hmm. in terms of pricing, in terms of how it looks and everything like that. That was the biggest gap I identified at that mm-hmm. particular mm-hmm. point. And even when we launched, you could see the clientele that you've targeted on paper mm-hmm. is a clientele that's walking in, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So okay. that really worked, but also with any new, because I looked at it like a startup at that point. Mm-hmm. When we launched, remember, I still have a company car. Right. Which has a tracker and everything, <laughs> things like that. At this point, yeah. I'm supposed to be visiting clients. Right. You know? And then, you know, because my energy is focused on construction and everything like that. So my numbers at work are not... Up to par. Yeah. Because I was the leading, like, uh, senior manager within our department. Mm-hmm. So month on month, there was, like, another lady. So it was always, like, me, her, me, her. So at this point, you can just see a dip in performance. They're like, bro, what's happening? So my boss looks into it. He's like, uh-uh, it's not like him. Mm-hmm. So they, they, they really like look through everything. So they look into my car records. Where yeah. is he? This guy literally is in one spot <laughs> for a month. Because <laughs> they have jungle guys. I have guys there building every day. So I have to be there. Right? Yeah. Track the moti and everything. They're like, okay, so what's your car been doing there? I try lie. I'm like, okay, now... Um, what did I say? I moved houses. There's something. I either moved houses. Because I can't, there's no way I can explain it, right? Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I try to go above and beyond and try to go one, see one client maybe in one day. Right. But I'm, every day I'm supposed to see like seven clients. Yeah. I'm seeing one. So I'm, bit, I'm doing bare minimum, right? Yeah. So at this point, uh, they're like, bro, you have to literally come have a conversation with us, right? And it gets to a point where I'm, I have to leave. So when I leave the company mm-hmm. and when B&D starts, mm-hmm. almost I think the difference is like a week or so, right? So I realized all these benefits, all these things, bro, I got to leave. There's no salo, there's nothing. Mm-hmm. I'm back to scratch, nothing. And this is the whole thing about the push that I've had in life. I didn't have a cushion. There was no fallback, you know? At this point, there's no rich folks, there's no... Uh, guys to pick me up. There's no partner. There's no wife. They'd be like, oh, babe, listen. God's at three months. I look for a job. No, as you look for a job, mm. I got us. Mm. There was no fallback. So this product that I sacrificed this month constructing had to work. Hold on. I have a, I have a question. I have to roll back a little yeah. bit. Because it sounds like you signed this lease on a whim, right? Like you go, you see the location based off of different pictures and things you've envisioned and whatever. You're like, yeah, we need to make this happen. Yeah. Tell me where you get the money then to do the construction. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there's my savings? Yeah. At that point, did I take a facility? I think I took a facility. Mm-hmm. Just And it's like I knew because I was so tired. <laughs> In the office, I was also so tired mentally mm-hmm. that I took a facility for 
subconsciously coming to think of it now, it's mm-hmm. like I knew something was going to happen. So this mm-hmm. facility was my cushion, mm-hmm. right? But the same facility I used now to finance mm-hmm. uh, the project, mm-hmm. but it wasn't going to be enough. So it was me, my friend, and some family members. Mm-hmm. And then still with that, we ran out of capital at some point. Mm-hmm. And I remember, but all these things came to play. There's a, there's a, there's a guy I went to high school with, and he, he ran a successful bar somewhere. And mm-hmm. I told him, listen, I'm going to set up a bar somewhere really soon. And this was like maybe six months before. There's certain expertise and skills that you have that we will need on board, mm-hmm. right? So when money runs out, I remember. He was like my ace. Mm-hmm. I remember, oh, this that guy. I call him. I'm like, bro, just come check it out, whatever. He comes, he's like, whatever you need, we got it. Mm-hmm. So we all contributed equally. That was mm-hmm. the beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. So... We're able to Did you not go back to the six guys, uh, the Chama, to be like, can I take my money no, out? No, Chama was like, no, I did. I did. I did. Yes. Mm. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. I did. So I told them, listen, because things are a bit tight, let me take my contribution out. Yeah. And the contribution paid for a certain portion of stock because we, we needed to stock the place. Right. So it paid for <clears> a certain <throat> contribution of stock, but it wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. So what did I need to do? I had to go back to all these distributors that I managed, mm-hmm. I built such a strong relationship with these guys. I just told them, listen, I need X amount of stock. I've opened a spot. I need your help, guys. And they're like, It was up? that genuine, it was that, that open. genuine, that. that easy. Yeah. These guys gave me stock. They were like, whatever, listen, we wish you all the best. We'll give you two, three months, whatever, run. So you had all the elements to enable you become successful. It's on how do you run? And that's mm-hmm. how the will that comes from within mm-hmm. really pushes you. But also something that was happening throughout this whole process is I was reading books, I was reading mm-hmm. documentaries mm-hmm. on business and stuff. Because I did try my, my luck at business at some point. I wasn't really well equipped. I didn't right. understand all right. the things. So right. at this point, I felt like it was the right time. Right. I'd learned, I'd read books, I'd gone through all these things. Right. Yeah. So when we set it up, we started, of course, constraints. A generator now, as for any quotation, a big generator, a commercial one, is mm-hmm. a lot of money. We didn't have it. So we started... We didn't even have money to pay DJs. A lot of DJs were relationships mm-hmm. that I had built and we had built mm-hmm. all through um, the period of my employment and other times. Some were friends and still are friends still mm-hmm. today. Just calling them, listen, I've opened a spot. Would you play for me? Mm-hmm. I mean, we've had all these gigs. A lot of guys would play, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's how we built. We built. One, even decks, we didn't have money to buy decks. And then there were guys, you know, the guys that hire out decks, like, oh, for a day, it's like five days. Like, that's a lot. Give us a two five, but we'll give you like for a month, mm-hmm. you know. So that's how you start, mm-hmm. and that's the key of for me. Relationships are not burning bridges, you know. I would never till today. So I have I have a question because mm-hmm. it sounds very, um, uh, and I don't mean this in a, in 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 a, in a bad way. It sounds very TED talky, TED talky in the sense that you know you're on that's the other it. side, yeah, like yeah. you're on the other side of, yeah. of 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 going through all of this, and it sounds like yeah, you know, believe in yourself. I signed a lease without uh, you know without, like uh, without a full uh, plan. I pulled money from here, I pulled money from here, and made all of these things happen. What's the day to day reality of going to EABL and being like, man, this guy may, may fire me because. Um, I've been spending too much time at the at the at bar the uh, at my construction yeah. site. Um, I may lose my income. I've yeah. put everything into this. I have no cushion, um, and even running out of capital. Like, what's what's the day to day reality of yeah. that? Like, what what are you going through mentally, emotionally? Um, are you thinking about how you're gonna pay your own personal rent, mm. let alone the the, the B and D rent? Yeah. yeah. Honestly, at that point, I wasn't panicking. Yeah. Weirdly enough, I wasn't panicking. The lack of uh, worry 
can either come from at that point a lot of naivety which I highly doubt but do you remember I had I did have that cushion in terms of the facility I took yeah so in my head was like listen this thing is either going to work if not because we're I'd work I'd, I'd figured out that we're going to give it six months if it doesn't work I feel like at that particular point I was still highly employable mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. I still had a lot of skills so that was always going to be my fallback because mm -hmm. at that point I'm still sending out CVs okay I'm still sending out CVs I'm like yo application I'm on LinkedIn almost every day because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. there's still that element has a year two years from today going to look like yeah. you know so I think my answer to that I was still highly employable uh, I did know a lot of skills and everything like that so I think I was always going to find something here or there okay you know and from my past like my folks were if it really hit the fan yeah <laughs> you could always come back you yeah. know yeah and that's another thing you know subconsciously I think I knew that yeah yeah okay so what do you think it is that that made um BND work because I'm trying to think about the first time I think I heard of or saw BND was I think you had a live artist mm. i want to say karun i think yeah i want to say karun but i'm not sure but and and i saw this this it, it was a real you know on instagram and i saw it was like oh there's a new a new club or a new mm. thing that's popped up um, mm. in Nairobi. and the reason i'm asking this is because i mean there's so many new spaces that coming up yeah come up and and now i you know <laughs> as people i see people on twitter talking about how uh, nairobi restaurants nairobi clubs have gotten the aesthetic and yeah you know, but you can't eat aesthetic you know <laughs> <laughs> but so there's so many cool places with yeah. so many cool designs agree, and and you know djs are playing in and out yeah so what is it that made bnd work that allowed you to even scale mm. to have um the Kiamburu location yeah. and the other things that you're thinking about. And also for the Kiamburu location, what was the financial mm. um, process okay. for that? Like, yeah. 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 Um, I think the most important thing there was, I think from yourself, it's, uh, I think for me, I understood my strengths, mm -hmm. right? Building a brand, uh, identifying what it takes to set up a bar. Because like you remember, I used to sit in like meetings with bars, understanding yeah. structures, what you need to look at how to market and stuff like that. So there was that capability, mm -hmm. but there's also that element of I understood my weaknesses, mm -hmm. right? My weaknesses was, uh, to an extent at that point, relations. Mm -hmm. uh, relations with, let's say, officials that issue licenses and things like that. Mm -hmm. That was mm -hmm. not one of my strengths. Mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. One of my partner's strengths, that mm -hmm. is one of his strengths, right? Mm -hmm. One of my partner's strengths is looking at, for example, mm -hmm. cash flows and saying, this is what mm -hmm. we need to do, this is mm -hmm. what we need. I have a good understanding of it, mm -hmm. but those are some of his strengths, mm -hmm. amongst other things, right? Mm -hmm. uh, there's areas which I wasn't very strong in at that particular point. A good example is the kitchen. Mm -hmm. um, so one is understanding how different people play into the ultimate success of an organization, mm -hmm. right? That is one. Um, I think number two is also understanding that things can mm -hmm. grow gradually, mm -hmm. right? And a good example is yesterday I visited a manufacturing plant here for one, a, a local alcoholic product. And I was telling, uh, I think, uh, we're having this conversation earlier, is I was very impressed at seeing a product or a company start from scratch. Because mm -hmm. I remember when uh, this entrepreneur wanted to start, she texted me from Ghana. She was like, I want to come to Nairobi and set up a plant to make alcohol. At that point, I'm just like, a plant? How yeah, you said it was seven it? years just, ago. Yeah. It seems like it's a lot. But yeah. today... 
I mean, that product is in every leading bar, supermarket everywhere. Mm-hmm. But that it's taken X amount of years. And that is the journey, you know. Um, but it does involve a lot of work, right? Mm-hmm. The amount of days where you're working until weekends counted, mm-hmm. you know. You're working till like maybe 11 p.m. You're constantly there. You're checking on things. Mm-hmm. Things are failing. You're mm-hmm. rebuilding them. Um, really looking at the cause and not hiding, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. For example, today, today we, we, usually, we usually do X amount of sales, but we mm-hmm. haven't. Why? Mm-hmm. Right? And really trying to find out what the core issue is and mm-hmm. trying to resolve mm-hmm. that core issue, you know? Um, and also checking out what's happening. You know, in a lot of industries, mm-hmm. uh, let me use an example of doctors. They always mm-hmm. consult each other. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's this case I got today. And lawyers as well. What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? Mm-hmm. In our industry, we're getting to a point where we're really embracing that, mm. where we're having conversations like, mm-hmm. what do you guys think of what's happening mm-hmm. with the economy, mm-hmm. what's happening with products? Mm-hmm. Uh, could you recommend a good waiter? Could you recommend mm-hmm. a good cashier? All mm-hmm. of that. And it's also learning from each other. That's, that's the ultimate thing that can mm-hmm. say that led to... Or led to that. Okay, yeah. I, like, I like what you've even said because I want to segue into this right now and ask you about the science of making money in a in yeah. in, in, in a in, in a bar, you yeah. know, and of course people come and they they buy drinks and they pay. Yeah. But like, what's the science behind? And uh, you know, obviously, not, not give us your mm. your actual yeah. <laughs> strategies for yeah. B and D, but generally, like as a bar owner, what is the science behind making money seven days a week? Like, yeah. how do you how how do you go about it? It's it's not even so. There's one one I'd call them a mentor, quote mm. unquote. But they told me one thing. They're like. All you need in a bar is start with four days. Mm-hmm. If you can fill your spot four days, you should be okay. You're in a healthy space. If you can do it more than that, you're you're good, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and from that, I think the initial goal was to try get four strategic days, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and in all my bars now, that's ultimately the goal. Kiambu Road, Kilalesho, Manhattan, any other project I work on in future, mm-hmm. it's always start with that minimum of four days then build on it, right? Mm-hmm. But the real people that are making money anywhere in the world, right? You mm-hmm. look at the richest person in the world, someone is interacting with their products every second. Mm-hmm. You look at your Elon Musk's, you look at your Jeff Bezos, Amazon, someone's, as we talk now, someone is placing an order to right. have something delivered. Right. So that's where the real, uh, I think, money comes in, right? With certain industries, and hospitality, we're limited because mm-hmm. if it's a nightclub, for example, the people are coming coming from 11 p.m. to 6 a.m. So mm-hmm. you're limited in terms of interaction with potential customers, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I, I understood that, but I also understood that I could maximize these four days. And you really get, you have to put yourself in your consumer's foot. Mm-hmm. Think like them. Mm-hmm. When this person walks in, in this day and age, it doesn't, mean, it doesn't start with someone walking in. It starts with where IG, they are when they search for yeah. example social media conversation yeah. wherever they're going to hear it so the whole thing is be top of mind in your target market's head mm-hmm. okay a good example we're in your office now uh you have x amount of employees on a friday evening they've worked and everything like that how do you get to convince them from their desk mm-hmm. we're gonna go for a drink how do you get to convince them the first place we think about going mm-hmm. is my spot mm-hmm. so the this the I'd call it psychology or marketing, mm-hmm. starts way before. Mm-hmm. And it's communication and building a relationship with these people. Mm-hmm. So by the time they get to your spot, now that's where now the 
transactional relationship evolves. Mm-hmm. So they've walked in one box ticked, you've mm-hmm. got them in, right? Mm-hmm. Box two is how do I get them to spend, right? Mm-hmm. Because as human beings, we all have, let's say you earn, let's say you earn, hypothetically, you earn 30,000, mm-hmm. right? Within that 30,000, if you were to divide this 30,000 you earn per product, mm-hmm. your bank takes X amount, mm-hmm. your telecom takes X amount, your landlord takes X amount, your telecom company takes X amount, mm-hmm. all, your fuel company takes X amount, mm-hmm. and ultimately there, us as hospitality players mm-hmm. want to take X amount, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So you got to look at it like that. Mm-hmm. So how am I going to make sure this guy spends mm-hmm. 1,000, 2,000, mm-hmm. whatever at my mm-hmm. spot? Mm-hmm. Okay, so essentially, it sounds like, I mean, the way that you make your most money is trying to figure out how do you keep this person, well, how do you get this person in the door, and then once they're there, how do you keep them here for as long as possible and have them spend as much money as possible? Is there any, do you ever have any um, conscious, as as, as your conscience, so to speak, (laughs) conflict of the negative effects of of, of alcohol and people, you know, getting too drunk yeah. or all the other mm. negative connotations that come with yeah. with with that yeah i mean subconscious is always going to be negative connotation but how do you handle that so yeah. for example in all my spots right i've partnered with a with an alcohol supplier and there's a campaign that we've run called drink more water mm-hmm. as an example and that is subconsciously telling the customer listen it gets to a point now you just need to drink more water and also in all of our communication there's an element of enjoy responsibly mm-hmm. drink responsibly because mm-hmm. At the end of the day, you've had a long day. You've mm-hmm. come here to sort of like let loose a little bit, but mm-hmm. we also want you to get home safe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wake up tomorrow, continue back to work and everything mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And that's why you will see even larger companies running campaigns like don't drink and drive, mm-hmm. drink more water, mm-hmm. uh, responsible drinking, enjoy mm-hmm. responsible drinking. So mm-hmm. to our granular level, we communicate that on a daily basis, mm-hmm. you know. And I've trained my staff to get to a point where they're like, listen, if a customer is too intoxicated, you don't sell more to them. But also at the same time, we have complimentary bottles of water that would always come out. You know? Right. Yeah. Okay. And it's you know as you talk about staff, I want to ask because I hear this about um, I guess people in retail, just the level of pilferage. Um, um, yeah, within this space, yeah, that, that is that is wild. You, um, can, you can literally cry. Yeah. What? <laughs> so yeah. with any industry, yesterday right. I was having a conversation with a, a banker, mm-hmm. senior, 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 senior director in a bank, and he was telling me yesterday there's a guy who works for them. That, how much did he say, in some way, mm-hmm. was able to get away with a lot of money. I won't mention the figure. Yeah. But it just brings you to the point of any industry, there's always going to be that point of, I don't want to call it theft, but pilferage, right? Yeah. yeah. So for us, we've tried as much as possible to create systems and everything like that, mystery mm-hmm. shoppers, mm-hmm. have uh, random checks and everything mm-hmm. like that. So you will those, you'll get those one-off occasions mm-hmm. uh, and numerous occasions, but it's, it's a never-ending challenge to mm-hmm. try to minimize that percentage as much as possible. Mm-hmm. When you look at it from a PNL perspective, mm-hmm. okay, we look at our, the allowance we have. Mm-hmm. Next month, what are we going to do? Is it reducing? Is it increasing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's so so it's it's like a it's also like um, I guess like a piracy. Your your it's a never ending battle <laughs> and trying to keep ahead of the of the curve. It's so tough. To speak. It's just it's never ending, but you always have to try keep ahead of it. To be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Try to keep ahead of it. S- sounds like. Um, I don't know. Sounds like a, I don't know, like a, like an interesting industry to yeah. in the industry to be in. Would would you say that it's simple? It's not simple. Yeah. But what makes it simple is I enjoy it, and it's I know a lot about it. Mm-hmm. 
let me give you an example. If I was to set up a trading company mm -hmm. today, mm -hmm. I wouldn't know where to begin. But I've built so much knowledge, time and energy, mm -hmm. understanding hospitality mm -hmm. and understanding the spirits industry mm -hmm. and business. So it just comes natural for me. I see a problem, I know how to solve it, right? If I don't know how to, I'll go to someone, help me solve this problem. Okay. Were you able to make your money immediately? Because, you know, I guess when they, they talk about um, um, getting the journey of entrepreneurship and being ready to not pay yourself for two years, yeah. um, is, that this, is that a journey that you went, went through with B&D? Or were you able to... It's tough even today. I yeah. mean, as the business owner, you pay yourself last. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you have obligations and stuff like that, but you have to pay yourself after everyone pays themselves. So mm -hmm. sometimes you skip, sometimes you miss. Initially, mm -hmm. we had to go a while, but for us to also be motivated, there was mm -hmm. that element of we need to pay ourselves X amount, right? Mm -hmm. But also one thing that drives me is I'm in a group of entrepreneurs, older people, mentors, advisors that are significantly more successful than me. So I can mm -hmm. always see how, like what the next level always looks like, mm -hmm. at least for me. And that what, that's really what keeps pushing me mm -hmm. every day, you know? Okay, interesting. So, so even now you're saying that they that there are some months where you're like, okay, if there's certain obligations yeah, that need to be met, um, you met that. So, so what do you? How do you then um, meet your as Anthony's? How mm. do you meet your obligations during those months where yeah. you're, you're, you you can't get a salary? I mean, now there's that was initially yeah, right. initial right right. So there's certain things like you have your salary mm. and then maybe there's a quarterly bonus, dividend, right. full year dividend. So those are some of the things that depending on the performance of the organization, right. we can decide we're not going to pay ourselves a bonus. Right, right. right. And it happens with any organization, depending right. on how you perform. Salaries, there's an allocation for right. It, right? right. So that in most cases, I don't miss. But the bonuses, sometimes I can go with, depending on performance. Right. It's your individual performance, but also organizational performance. Okay. And um, if you're looking at, I guess... Um, whether you can achieve this success in other markets, you mm -hmm. know, because I know you've talked about possible expansion. Yeah. When you're looking at that, I, um, how different is it, for example, if you were to open something in Mombasa, like right. how different is it from the one here? How different is the Kiambu Road one yeah. from the one that's in Kilaleshwa? Yeah. yeah. So a good example is Kiambu Road really was set up out of the basis of a lot of the challenges we had in Kilalesho, so sound, parking, um, those predominant ones, limited seating. So mm -hmm. that's what really developed that one. So with any market that I think of expanding to, even like, for example, Manhattan that I mm -hmm. own, Mombasa Road, with that particular one, it was based off a lot of things, right? That one, the whole thing is we needed to build that thing in like a month, mm -hmm. you know? So depending on where I go, whether it's Mombasa, Kampala, mm -hmm. Dar es Salaam, you need to understand the local culture first mm -hmm. and the gap mm -hmm. that is there, right? Uh, if it's the coast, it needs to be very comfortable for mm -hmm. someone, uh, I think in a tropical sort of like area and things mm -hmm. like that. And mm -hmm. the selling points, is it beachfront? Is it by the road? There are all these elements that have to sort of come together mm -hmm. for you to develop a, a, a conducive and uh, profitable product. Okay. Yeah. Is all your money in uh, B&D? Or do you have anything, anything else, else elsewhere? So my main investments is BND, yes. There's Manhattan. Uh, like I said, I'm developing an e-commerce plat platform mm -hmm. called Front Door. Mm -hmm. It's facility. It's very timely. Oh, this is actually tools. going to go out on 29th January. So yeah. from three days from now, you said it's going to be in the new year, right? 2020, In the new year. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's going to be in the new year. So mm -hmm. that's what I'm working on now. But there's also these small investment portfolios that 
money markets that I put my money in and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Nothing too significant. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the whole thing as well is the COVID. If you have believability and if you have a product that you understand to mm-hmm. sell, mm-hmm. you can always use other people's money. You don't need yours. Okay. As long as you have the vision and everything, you can always, there's a lot of people willing to back uh, uh, potential successful businesses. Yeah. So utilizing other people's income and money is also a way to go. Okay. Last question. Um, with all of these, I guess, very asset-heavy um, business ventures that you have, you yeah. know, um, and a lot of money you had to put in, are you, do you have a positive um, net worth, you know? When at the end of the day, you're looking at <laughs> <laughs> all the people you potentially owe, all the things you potentially owe against mm. how much money you have right yeah. now. Do you have a positive net worth? It's funny enough you'd ask me that. Yeah. Um, so one of my advisors sat me down the other day. They're like, listen, you need to calculate how much you are worth. And we did the math and everything like that. And it's, um, it was surprising mm-hmm. to me because the thing that moves me is always creating and creating and creating. So when mm. we did the math and everything, it was positive. I'm not going to mention it, but yeah. it was positive. <laughs> <laughs> right. all, all I can say it was positive and it was, there's certain things I didn't know how to quantify and everything like that. Mm-hmm. So, but it was a rough figure, but mm-hmm. it was, it was quite positive. To be okay. Honest. So yeah. positive net worth. Yeah. That's, that's the least I can say. Positive <laughs> net worth. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, thanks so much, Anthony. Thanks Thank for coming to tell us so the, the story of, uh, of BND, how BND came together. Um, oh, did you, you didn't answer this one. So for the second Kiambu, the, the Kiambu Road um, branch, you had, did you have to get a facility for that? Or did you... We had you to know. get financing. Yeah, you had to get financing for that you as already, well. Because you already have proof of uh, a product or a concept working. Yeah. Uh, there's a bit of it that we did finance ourselves, but there's also a lot of financing that we came. And also relationships. Mm-hmm. So it's built on a lot of steel. It's built a lot of... There's an architect we worked mm-hmm. with, a lot of goodwill. Mm-hmm. Until today, it's also in the books in terms of people that we owe. Yeah. So it's now how do we push this thing and continue right. paying these people. So, like I said, leveraging on relationship, that's bank relationships, right. VCs, and also different individuals that have different skills. Okay. Yeah. Final, final question. Um, a bar in Kilimani, Kileleshwa, how much would an average bar be making if you're doing well? How much should 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 that Bobby make it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, to be honest, to yeah. be honest, you know what? Yeah. what, what I answer, yeah. I, Give I me an that. average. Give me a maximum and in the lower amount. Where you like, if you're making that, pull up your socks. And if you're making this, like, yeah, you're, you're in a that one. Space. To be honest, it could. It, the range is ridiculous. The yeah. range is ridiculous. It could range all the way from a hundred thousand shillings mm-hmm. and could all the way to the millions. Mm-hmm. It the range is too big because you have to look at the classification of bars, right? Mm-hmm. There's your Nyama joint. There's your high energy bar. The classification is ridiculous. Let's so. talk about a, a bar like B&D. Mm. Like B&D, that kind of clientele. That's who you're looking for. You're set up somewhere, Kilimani, Kileleshwa. Um, you know, for, for, for maybe someone who's trying to be a competitor yeah. or whatever the case yeah. is. Honestly, it varies. <laughs> it, it does vary. To be honest, it, it does vary. Yeah. It okay. Vary. Fair enough. Because from when we started yeah. to when it's fully developed and everything, yeah, it's never been stable. Mm-hmm. There's some months you're just like we can we can barely keep the lights open. There's some months okay we can afford a bonus. So mm. it really does vary, and mm. it's also a seasonal business, right? Right. Right. With the peak periods being April and December, mm-hmm. so these are the months. Maybe the peak pays for these other months. So mm-hmm. it's a very seasonal business. 
Okay. Yeah. Most amount of money you've made in a, in a day as 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 BND. Can you disclose that or give us a range? Like in in a, in a, in a, would be a, a night or a day where you are like, okay, this is, this is, this is insane. This is years ago. Mm-hmm. Okay, to answer that question, yeah. My goal when I was starting off and the dream of setting up a bar was, initially, you remember the cute bar I was talking right, about? Right, right. My goal was to make fifty fifty thousand a day. That okay. was my personal goal. Okay. I can confidently say. There's some days like a Monday, that's what you make, to be mm-hmm. honest. Mm-hmm. There's some peak days like a Friday, Saturday, that it looks like it's very minimal, you know? Yeah. yeah. So you make significantly more than that. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd assume you're making significantly more I'd, than I'd that. I'd assume so. I'd be. So. <laughs> but, but at the same <laughs> time, but when you look at enough. how that yeah. amount is broken down, whatever yeah. you're remaining, it's a margin. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a margins, margins game. Yeah. It's a margins yeah. game. Yeah. Okay. It's not the people that are there. Yeah. It's a margins game. Ah, uh, yeah, because you might have lots of yeah. people and yeah. one person on the table yeah. is a person that's who's actually true. buying drinks. That's true. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. That is the story of um, B&D. Thank you so much, um, Anthony, for coming. I've, I've enjoyed this conversation. I didn't know um, all, the, all the actual employment um, that you had had. <laughs> no, it's, it's been a journey. It's yeah. been a journey. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think just a true testament to understanding um, the business case and the cash yeah. before you actually get in yeah. and a successful one at that. So, um, yeah, I hope you guys have enjoyed this episode. Um, we're going into the new year. Go to B&D and celebrate the new 100%, year. 100%. 100%. Um, yeah, and we'll see you guys in the new year and on the next episode.